Hello and welcome to the podcast version of The Good World. Uh, what you are about to listen to was recorded on video, so sometimes there will be allusions to YouTube or things that are happening visibly, um, and you will also hear my dog Charlie in the background, probably, um, and so I apologize if you can't see it, but hopefully you can enjoy the audio version, uh, and you can find the video version at goodworld.love. Thanks. Hello, Doug Morning. Welcome to the good world. I'm Seth. That's Charlie. Charlie's back. The tires are gone. He's very dog sighted. I am too. It's nice to have a normal existence again after. Oops, hello, car. Uh, after a day of, uh, you know, weird sleep and whatnot. I got some sleep last night. It was great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I was just thinking of um, an analogy that kind of illustrates uh, some of the, well, not an analogy, just an illustration um, of, uh, of some of the things I was saying yesterday. Um, you know, I was, I was talking about sort of how everything is a system and the whole system, we're, we're like really influenced by all of these things that are completely outside of ourselves um, in ways that we don't realize. Um, and it's, you know, it's much easier for our brains to just sort of focus on what's right in front of us, but, uh, but the truth is that our behavior is determined by a whole lot of factors that we are not even aware of. Um, and to me, one of the most important things we can do to sort of learn to find uh, peace for ourselves is to, to figure out how to recognize um, that we're, it's not even, it's not even that we need to figure out the true story because um, you know, truth is, <laughs> truth is just an arbitrary construction that we come up with. Um, but it's kind of true, like, you, there is, uh, the, the full objective truth is, of anything is, is basically impossible, um, to track down, uh, and that's fine. That's like, you know, if you are, if you are religious, then that's for God to know, uh, and if you're, not, then that's, it's just, uh, it's just uncertainty and it's just sort of the, the crazy math of the world. Um, I've really, I've sort of for myself landed somewhere in between those two things where it's, um, it's not for me to know it and maybe it's for God to know, but maybe not, uh, you know, Schrodinger's God. You can, you can go back and look at the, the episode about Schrodinger's God and, uh, and that'll help inform some of it. Um, or you can read like, um, the, the Tao Te Ching, uh, which I, you know, Chinese is a tonal language, so I'm not pronouncing it properly, so I apologize for that, but that's sort of the best I can do. I guess I, I could look it up, because I know how to, I know the tonal pronunciation for Tik Nhat Hang, um, but whatever, uh, we're, we're getting a little, little aside here. Um, so the, uh, the, the, the example I was thinking of, so this morning I got up, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned before, I know, Charlie, we're on the way to the park. You're okay. Um, beeps, tiny beeps, tiny beeps, tiny dog sounds. Yeah, you're fine. And you have the wind machine. Everything is okay for a dog. Um, so I got up this morning, uh, and because I am on West Coast time. So I, I've, I've mentioned before, I grew up a big baseball fan. Baseball is in fact how I originally got into playing around with data and statistics. Um, and in particular, I grew up a Mets fan. And uh, so I was thinking about this as I was watching the Mets play at 10 a.m. my time, um, opening day 
of the 2021 season. They're playing a, a day game in New York, so 10 a.m. out here. And it made me think back to a conversation that uh, I was part of over the weekend. Um, so I mentioned, you know, my dad came out to visit. Um, he's, he's fully vaccinated, so he was excited to come and see me and Susie. He, we hadn't seen him since the start of the pandemic. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, spring is happening, and there's a lot of pollen. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so he was here, and we um, we took him down to Sacramento, and we went out to dinner um, at this really fantastic restaurant. If you're um, if you are in the Sacramento area, I would strongly recommend Cannon East Sac. It's uh, it was the food was amazing. Um, but so we went out to dinner. It was me and Susie and my dad and Susie's dad and uh, and two friends of ours. Jen and Mike, and we were talking a little about baseball, and Mike asked um, what determines whether someone is a Mets fan or a Yankees fan. Um, and, you know, we were talking about it, and, and my dad sort of walked through the, the the thing that I had heard growing up the entire time, uh, which is, you know, if you're from the Bronx, you're a Yankees fan. If you're from Brooklyn or Queens, you're a Mets fan. If you're from uh, Westchester and the places where the trains run more directly to the Bronx than you're a Yankees fan. Uh, if you're from New Jersey or Long Island where the trains run more directly to Queens, you're a Mets fan. That's kind of the standard thing. But it's also, it's not 100% true because I grew up in Westchester and I had plenty of friends who were Yankee fans and I was a Mets fan in what was supposed to be Yankee territory. Um, but I, I sort of thought about it and I was like, you know, the, what it actually is for the most part, and you know, sometimes people sort of make their own choices that that um, don't line up with this, but the, the general trend isn't so much where you grew up, it is the, it is where your family was um, when they first came to the New York area. So the reason that I'm a Mets fan can be traced back, it's not my geography growing up in Westchester, or even my dad's geography growing up in Long Island, though that, that does line up. Um, it's the fact that my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, Samuel Samuels was his name, uh, was from Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was Dodger country, and then once the Dodgers moved away and the, the Mets came around, it became Mets country. Um, and so the reason that I grew up a Mets fan is because my, my grandfather, who died uh, like 10 years before I was born, something like that, um, was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan growing up in Brooklyn. Um, and this, to me, illustrates the point that I'm trying to make. You know, I, in my mind, for most of my life, I could never have been anything other than a Mets fan. And in fact, when people used to ask me why I was a Mets fan, I would just say, because my dad raised me right. Um, which is, you know, a dig at Yankees fans. It's a lot of things. Um, but it's not the actual answer. The actual answer is because when my family came to America from uh, some combination of Romania and Russia on my dad's side. Um, they ended up in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn was Dodger country, and then it became men's country, and that's it. That's the actual story. Um, but that was completely invisible to me uh, until, you know, I was older. I didn't, I didn't think about it a whole lot when I was growing up. Um, I just thought it was because, you know, my dad was a Mets fan, and my dad raised me right. Um, and so... I think that's actually a really perfect illustration of the way that we inherit a lot of our moral values that we just think are inherently good, uh, and 
aren't necessarily, right? And, and so often, you know, if you look at uh, the conflicts that people get into on Twitter and the way that they love to dunk on each other, you know, people will say, well, I was raised to believe that, you know, everyone is equal or whatever. Um, or I was raised to believe that if you work hard and play by the rules, uh, shout out to Anat Shanker Osorio there with work hard and play by the rules, um, which is such a, like, conservative mindset. And, you know, it's nothing against working hard. Working hard is fine. But, like, all of us actually would love to be in a position where we can work hard on things we care about. And so, for the most part, if people don't, um, it's there are actually reasons other than something I internal and intrinsic to them. Uh, and... We're going to have a whole episode at some point about, like, rules and laws, um, which are, you know, it's not to say, I'm not going to say that they're, they're not useless, um, but they are, to a large extent, invented and socially constructed, and, um, and that doesn't mean that they're meaningless, and it doesn't mean that, um, that we can't be moral, it just means that rules are, there's a lot more going on than just follow the rules, play by the rules, like, that's, that is such an oversimplification. Charlie, you are having so many feelings right now. So many dog feelings. I know. We're on the way to the park. We'll be there pretty soon. Yeah, wind machine is good. Um, so, uh, if you are so, if you're out there saying, you know, I was raised to believe that you work hard and play by the rules, or I was raised to believe that everyone is equal no matter what they look like, or whatever you were raised to believe, if you are using that to condescend to someone else, you're sort of recognizing as you're saying it that the problem isn't them, it's that they were raised according to morals that you don't agree with. And you were raised according to morals that they don't agree with. And neither one of you is inherently correct just because of how you were raised. Um, all of us are raised with ideas. Some of those ideas are good. Some of those ideas do harm. And the first thing we need to do I feel like I say that a lot, so I don't know. A thing we need to do, a thing that can help, a thing that can make us be a little better to ourselves and to each other, is to recognize that just because we were raised with a certain moral perspective, that alone does not make those morals right. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I... There's... there's There are a lot of people in my life who sort of look at... Um, who look at people who inherited ideas that are harmful, um, and will look at, at those people and say, ah, fuck them. Fuck them. I don't care. They should go away. Fuck them. And, <laughs> you know, on a, on a certain level, that's basically saying, like, fuck someone, like, fuck that person because they were born into a situation that they did not choose, um, but that, that I disapprove of. And, you know, if there's one idea that I do believe in pretty strongly, having grown up in, uh, as, as a descendant of Holocaust survivors, um, is, is that, that judging people for how they were born and who they were born to, um, and the ideas that they inherited, um, is a really harmful thing to do. Um, and, and that's true whether the ideas they've inherited are religious or moral or whatever, it's faulting someone for the environment in which they were raised does nothing to make the environment less harmful. It does nothing to change them. All it does is make us feel a little more superior. Um, 
and I've talked about this before, but that feeling of superiority is kind of addictive. Um, and it's definitely something that we all have internalized through, you know, cultural narratives and, and things that we've inherited. inherited. Um, and, you know, frankly, it's, it's something that, um, that I, as a straight white man working in progressive politics and, like, in a world where a lot of straight white men have seen themselves as really superior and sort of used that to, to lord their views over people who are not straight white men, um, a lot of the pushback s comes from the perspective that, like, because a lot of straight white men have done a lot of harm in the name of straight white men, then, like, things that are associated with, with straight white men are bad. Um, and I don't... I, I think for the most part that my friends who, who will say things along those lines, I think for the most part they don't fully entirely believe that. And it's just kind of, it, it comes from a place of having been shat on so much that that's how it comes out. And again, I totally understand that. Um, and so this leads me actually into the other thing that I was thinking about this morning. So I have mentioned um, that I've been reading The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, and um, it's, it's a little funny to me that I have found myself reading this book because the first time I ever even heard of it was in watching an episode of Barry, um, which is a, a show that I really enjoy on HBO, uh, in which, uh, you know, Bill Hader plays a, uh, a hitman trying to become an actor in Los Angeles. Um, that's a bit of a digression, but anyway, uh, uh, Noho Hank, who is one of the best characters in TV history, is a big fan of the book The Four Agreements. Um, and, you know, ag agreements, is the, the sort of premise of the agreements is, um, uh, it touches on actually what I, was, what, what I was alluding to earlier, which is that, you know, rules are, are sort of ideas that we inherit, whereas an agreement that we make with ourselves, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a way that we are choosing to live, right? We are internally agreeing to abide by certain rules. Um, but it's not the rules that, that put it into place. It's our, it's our agreeing with whatever rules we internalize. Um, I sometimes, uh, like to say the only rules are the laws of physics, um, and everything else is in agreement. Um, or tyranny. Sometimes it's tyranny. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> the third agreement, I believe is what it, uh, it might be the second agreement. I don't remember. One of the agreements um, that, that uh, Don Miguel Ruiz uh, suggests in the four agreements is don't take anything personally. Um, and that's something that I have really actually tried pretty hard to internalize um, across the last year or so. And it's, you know, what's, what's nice about the, the journey that I'm on is that I will often sort of have ideas um, that, I, that I come to just through thinking about them logically and, and doing my best to sort of put myself at a distance and, and really think objectively as opposed to... Um, you know, it's, it, on some level that's impossible to do, but we can sort of do our best, and I'm doing my best, and, and so sometimes I come to conclusions, uh, and then I read things months or even more than a year later um, that line up very closely with things I've already been thinking. And so this, this was a nice way where sort of my own journey dovetailed uh, with this book. So don't take anything personally. Um, and his point is 
that if someone says something to you uh, or behaves toward you in a way that is, you know, intentionally hurtful and harmful um, and feels really personal, the thing to remember is that they are doing it because of their own pain, right? Someone, someone who is absolutely unloading on you emotionally isn't doing it because you did anything to provoke them. And that's, that's what's hard about it, right? Is you're just like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you taking this out on me? Um, and the answer is because they, whatever is actually going on with them, they are struggling to process it. They are um, probably avoiding it. And so they're taking it out on you. Um, and it doesn't mean that you should just take it. Um, but it means that you don't need to make it about your own defenses. You can see if, if I, I genuinely believe that part of learning to love ourselves is sort of, is, is sort of learning to sit above that and, and not take those things personally. Um, I know Charlie. But so there's sort of an implied corollary to that um, that Ruiz doesn't talk about, um, but that I've been thinking about, which is that when we, when we get angry at someone else, when we, you know, shout them down or condemn them or shame them or whatever, you know, when we tell them you're a real piece of shit, you're a scumbag, you should be ashamed, that's not about them. That's about us. Um, and that's a really hard thing to come to terms with because it really feels like it's about them, right? It feels like they did something to provoke our feelings. Um, but what it actually is, I, I mean, it's not that it's not true. Um, and, and sometimes they might've even tried to do it intentionally. But if you are able to get to a point where you can process and manage and hold all of your feelings, then you can also get to a point where nothing anyone says to try to provoke you will really matter, right? Like the one time in my life that someone called me uh, a kike was, uh, it, it threw me for a big loop um, but it was also, he was uh, angry at me because his, uh, his, his girlfriend had broken up with him and started dating me. Uh, and that was a pretty obvious situation. Um, but if, even if it didn't have that context, it would be clear that it was about his pain and not about me doing anything to deserve it. And so if we can get to a point where we can, um, where we can really see and love and appreciate ourselves and sort of manage our own feelings, then we can get to a point where we can recognize that other people's anger is not about us and that our anger is not about them, even if we feel they deserved it. Because quite honestly, look what you made me do is the language of abuse. Um, and all of us, all of us have within us the capacity to be abusers in some circumstances, to be victims in others, to be enablers in others. All of these are roles that we all sort of pop in and out of throughout our lives. Um, but, but look what you made me do is us stepping into the role of, of abuser. And so if someone does something to try to provoke us, um, we, you know, I'm not going to make this about it's your responsibility. It's your, you know, you should, you're a bad person. If you don't, that's nonsense that, you know, we're all doing the best we can. Um, but you can, you, you can try to do the best you can by, um, by taking some deep breaths and by, uh, by loving yourself and by seeing 
that your anger is about things that you haven't processed and trying to figure out what those are and trying to unpack them and sort of work on them instead of just taking your anger out on someone else. Because um, that's that's a way that all of us can do something better. Um, you, you can go back through my social media history and find lots of times that I, you know, bullied other people for, for being bad. Uh, and... It got me nowhere. Um, and now I'm like feeling pretty good about myself and my life. Um, anyway, we're at the dog park. Charlie has a lot of beeps, so I'm gonna go for the moment, uh, but we'll be back in a bit. Okay. I, I know, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Come on. Hello, just a reminder that if you are enjoying this program, uh, you can sm smash the like button. That's the that's what they say, right? You sm smash it. Smash the like button. Uh, smoosh the subscribe. Do that. Share with friends. Friends. Bring your friends into the community of uh, of trying to to do a little better. The the good world communidad. Uh, yeah. Okay, thanks. Whew, okay, hi. Uh, so I'm in a, I mean, I don't know how much you can generally see out the back anyway, but I'm coming from a different direction than I normally, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming directly from the dog park. Also, it is, it's hot today here in Grass Valley. Um, I swung by downtown Grass Valley uh, to pick up lunch for me and Susie. There's a really delicious shawarma place, uh, and so I went to get some shawarma. Uh, and as it happened, uh, there was uh, there was a bit of a gathering on the street, um, and uh, sorry, you're, those those chimes are just Susie tending me, sending me texts that I will read when I get home. Um, she's sending me a lot of them. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, so there were there were some people gathered outside, um, which you know during a pandemic uh, there was a large crowd of people gathered outside without their masks on, um, and I think they're trying to make, I assume they're trying to make a point, um, maybe, you know, one of the agreements is don't make assumptions, so maybe I shouldn't, uh, maybe I shouldn't make assumptions. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that certainly, uh, ticks up my anxiety level here in a pandemic where, um, I, I mean, I imagine some of them are vaccinated, but a, a lot of them are too young to have gotten, uh, well, I, again, don't make assumptions, um, and, uh, you know, maybe they have underlying conditions. Um, whatever. There's a pandemic going on. Please try not to spread, uh, a, a disease that has, that <laughs> has killed, like, hundreds of thousands of people in this country and, uh, and millions around the world. Cool. Um... So one of uh, one of the things I I noticed was there were um, there were a couple of members of, uh, of of the group outside wearing Proud Boys T-shirts. Um, uh, one of them, uh, the T-shirt said, "Proud Boy, Alpha as fuck," um, and you know. So if if you've been watching this show, you know that uh, my view is that all of our one of the biggest problems in the world at, at a systemic level um, is the fact that a lot of us feel like we need to fight for status um, and that we need to dominate each other and that 
you know, dominating someone is the same as truth, right? There are, there are a whole bunch of other channels out there on the internet and on TV um, that that are about uh, owning, owning the libs, owning the conservatives, owning someone um, as though uh, as though just berating someone faster than they can respond is the same as knowing truth. Uh, and you know, as I said earlier today, truth is hard. Uh, and it's on some level, it's sort of impossible. And so instead of insisting that we are right and we are the arbiters of everything and I'm going to dominate you and own you and, uh, and, and that's all there is, um, you know, that's, that's just sort of internalized like self-hatred and, uh, and, a, and a fear of appearing weak. Um, and generally speaking, if you're afraid to appear weak, it's because um, someone has hurt you and has made you feel like the reason that they hurt you is because you are weak, um, and not because they had their own issues to sort through. Uh, and, you know, again, sorry, was that the, the complicated stop sign? Uh, and, uh, again, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't take things personally. Um, and look, that's hard if someone beats you up, right? If you're in middle school or high school and you're getting bullied every day, then I realize it's hard to say don't take it personally because um, the impact is very personal. Um, and I, you know, I, I was never physically bullied that much, but I was definitely, um, let's put it this way, my nose was this size long before the rest of my body caught up to it. Um, and I had, I had acne so bad that my middle school classmates named some of my zits. Um, and it didn't feel great. Um, but I also have, have sort of come to realize, you know, the, the, way, the way that bullies are created in the first place is by people being made to think that their only options are to be bullied or to be the bully. Um, and I am here to say that that's not true. Um, you can, you know, you can sort of make judgment and try to avoid bullies and, and sometimes someone's just going to take their issues out on you and that sucks and I'm not saying it doesn't suck, um, but being the bigger asshole is just a race to the bottom and it just makes literally everything around us worse. Again, all of this is a system. Our entire, uh, all, all of human interaction is a giant ecosystem and bullying and fights for dominance are poison in the water of the ecosystem. Uh, and so I know it's hard. It's hard if you have been picked on, if you have been bullied. I get it. Um, and I am sorry that you went through that. And I am here to tell you that you did not deserve that. And you deserve the love and respect that all of us deserved. And you deserve the opportunity to find your own inner unicorn and get to be who you really want to be. You do not deserve to have someone force their will on you and tell you that you need to be what they think. You don't deserve that. But the solution to that is not to turn around uh, and try to dominate other people. And, you know, this, this is a hard thing to say without seeming like I am trying to, to sort of dominate the, the alpha as fuckness. Um, but, you know, wearing a t-shirt that says that you're alpha as fuck, uh, I mean, that's, that's not truth. That's like you trying really hard to convince yourself and convince other people. And it's also you carrying around a badge of your own fear that says, you know, I'm, don't mess with me. I'm tough. Uh, it means you're going into every interaction telling people that you're afraid you're going to try to fight them. Um, and 
you know, again, I get, that comes from a place of real experience, uh, or at least like narratives that you've been fed and internalized. Um, and so I get why you might want to send the world that message, but we don't need to send each other that message. And it's hard and it's harder and it requires sort of thinking on a much higher and, and bigger level than just reacting um, like I was talking about to, to sort of the situation immediately in front of you and sort of ignoring the entire system and focusing on, uh, on the things that are distractions from your own fears of being weak, your own fears of being perceived as, uh, as something that is wrong, uh, something that you're not supposed to be, um, when that's, that's not what you deserve. Again, you deserve to get to be your inner unicorn. Um, but the only way that we get to do that uh, is by starting with ourselves, figuring out how to how, how to be who we are unapologetically, um, and that is that is a big part of how I have been trying to live my life. Is just recognizing, you know what, I'm not uh, I'm not I, I'm not a corporate consultant. I'm not um, I'm not a political consultant who's gonna sort of play the the Game of Thrones game of try to win the reputation. Uh, and try to out-reputation other people into more and more promotion so you can just keep chasing some some prize that's never actually going to materialize and keep feeling bad about yourself. That's not me. What's me uh, is this guy out here with a big, floofy mountain beard. Um, I mean, I guess we're going to move down from the mountain soon into Sacramento. Um, but it's, it's this guy who doesn't like wearing a suit, uh, likes wearing ridiculous hats and sunglasses, uh, and embraces, uh, you know, both his inner, for lack of a better way of putting it, his inner masculine and his inner feminine. Um, because all of us, uh, that's, that's what it is to be human, is to just love ourselves, whoever we are. Um, and so I have really spent the last, I mean, I've spent, on some level, I've spent 39 years figuring out who I am, um, but really like a year and a half ago uh, was when I figured out that the life I was living did not line up with the person I felt like I was inside. Um, and I'm pretty happy these days. Um, and I really love where Susie and I are living. We've got a great dog. Um, and you know, that's, that's not everything. And there is a whole lot of uh, inherited wealth and privilege that goes into giving me the support to be able to do that. Um, and so, you know, I recognize that it's easier for me than it is for other people. Um, and so it's not about, you know, being able to, it's, a, it's about doing the best you can. Um, and you know, the best you can is never going to be perfect. The best I can is certainly not perfect. I still sometimes um, get get sucked into uh, sort of games of, of dominance and stuff like that. Um, and I still sometimes, you know, get taken in a little by my anger and, and struggle to control it. But I've gotten better at it over time. And it's going to keep getting better across the rest of my life as long as I practice it. Um, and all of us can do that. And the other thing is... You know, I've, I've sort of said before that peace doesn't mean tolerating injustice. I have found that really figuring out who I am and loving myself for who I am and trying to just be who I am has actually given me a lot of clarity that enables me to talk honestly about injustice I see towards, um, not a lot towards myself, because again, there, I, I don't have to deal with a whole lot of it, um, but injustice towards other people. Um, and, you know, what I will say about uh, about folks who who feel the need to to join something larger and you know sort of take on the identity of, for example, being a proud boy, uh, is 
someone at some point has has made them feel small um has made you feel small if you're watching this um and and that really sucks and i i think in our society and and i sort of started alluding to this before but like in in progressive politics which has been my career for the better part of 10 years at this point um we can sort of assume it 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 often People often sort of make the assumption that because you're a straight white man, you've never had to deal with any kind of pain um, because you haven't had to deal with racism and sexism. And it is simultaneously true that racism and sexism are really, really big problems and big systems that fuck up a whole lot of shit and, uh, and, and they hurt, you know, sexism hurts women, it also hurts men. Racism hurts uh, people of color and also hurts white people by making us complicit in these unjust systems and making us out of a out of an instinct for defensiveness it often will make us defend these things and that that just keeps fucking everything up right that that turns into the conflict and the arguments of dominance that cause all of these other problems um and the idea that you know everything is kill or be killed um and it's not we can have really lovely happy uh, collaborative communities that are really wonderful. Um, this is an idea that, that Martin Luther King talked about a lot. He referred to it as the beloved community. It's the same thing, I think, that I refer to as the good world. Um, but it's really just about being honest with ourselves and being true to ourselves and recognizing that we don't need to get sucked into the fight that we inherited from generations and generations of people who were afraid of each other. We can overcome the things that we've inherited, the fear that we've inherited, the narratives that we've inherited. Uh, you can over, just as someone can overcome inheriting being a Yankees fan, um, you can, I would argue it's easier to overcome the inherited narratives of, uh, you know, racial uh, conflict and, uh, alpha-ness and, and all of that nonsense and just be our, ourselves and it's it's not easy and it takes work and it takes time and it takes getting through a lot of doubts um, because it's uh, something I've talked about a lot on this channel is, is how much defensiveness is built into us um, and so it takes overcoming that it takes questioning some of our most deeply held beliefs about the way the world works and that's a thing your brain is not wired to do and so I get that that's hard and I am telling you from the other side of it it is so worth it if you can put in the time put in the emotional energy uh, if you have the resources you know I know I I know that most people out there are working like multiple jobs and just uh, getting exploited by the man uh, and that sucks and I want to I want to help make a world where that doesn't happen um, but for those of us who, at a minimum, if you have the resources to not have to spend all of your time working away, uh, pounding pavement, um, then I would encourage you to try to find some time, uh, just, you know, 10 minutes a day or whatever, um, to just, just be introspective and just question, just think of a core belief that you have and question it. Um, and instead of, instead of doing what your brain is going to try to do, which is come up with every single argument you can immediately to try to take down, you know, let's say, um, let's say one of my core beliefs is, uh, I know, Charlie, um, here's one. Uh, one of my core beliefs for a long time growing up as the descendant of Holocaust survivors was that, um, German people are bad. 
Uh, and the thing that ultimately called that into question for me, um, and I mean, it, it was never like, it was always, it, it was never as simple as I'm making it sound. But I had a friend um, who I met while traveling one time, uh, and she was a young German woman, a um, couple years, you know, I was 27, 28-ish, um, and she was like 24. Uh, but we were out somewhere, and someone started, you know, calling, saying bad things about me because I am Jewish. Uh, and this friend, um, Anna, just sort of stepped in and was like, why is that, what's, what's wrong with that? Why is that a problem? Um, and it eventually came out that the woman had, like, dated a Jewish man and he had, you know, done her wrong, and so she's, she sort of externalized that anger to all Jews. Um, and hey, guess what? That's a lot of what we do, uh, when, when we react to, uh, you know, when, when we get angry at black people or at women or at men or at white people or whoever, we internalize the fact that there are people from that category who have, uh, at least in our view, done us wrong. And so we, we sort of generalize very broadly, um, based on really surface level things, because that's what our brains are meant to do. Because as I've said before, your brain is lazy, my brain is lazy, all our brains are lazy, but we can, we can exercise, uh, to, to overcome that laziness and, and to build mental strength. Um, and so that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. If you can, if you have the wherewithal to take some time and question your narratives. So, you know, I, I learned to question my view that, uh, Germans were bad. And so you can sit there and you can think, okay, one of my views is that Germans are bad. Uh, pick, honestly, uh, start with any view you have that a certain group of people is bad and start come do two things. One, start coming up with reasons that the world may have made them bad instead of it being from within them. Uh, imagine the evil school that I talked about the other day, right? Imagine the systemic forces. Just just come up with some systemic forces. They don't have to be right. You won't be able to know if, you're, if, if they are right. Um, but come up with, just as a thought exercise, just start to think of systemic reasons that those people might be like that um, instead of individual reasons. Start to think of reasons that you don't have to fight other people and you can show them how to work uh, together. Something I have learned in my marriage, uh, Susie and I have both learned this, and we've talked about it, is that even with your spouse, you sometimes need to teach someone how to love you in the way that you need to be loved. Because none of us can read each other's minds, none of us automatically understand each other. And so instead of berating and shaming and hurting people for not knowing how to love you, Try to think about how to teach other people how to love you. Think about what you need in order to feel loved and supported and learn, try to figure out how to share that with other people. Uh, because when it comes out as you hurt me, you're bad, it doesn't, they don't learn to love you. Um, and it, it really sucks that people need to be taught how to love us. And it especially sucks if they need to be taught how to love us in systemic ways. And there are books that they could read, but they're not reading them. And there are channels they could watch, but they're not watching them. Sometimes people just need to be taught how to love you. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I sort of talked at the beginning of this about how just because we have inherited a moral idea doesn't mean that it's morally correct. The only way that we can know that we are not doing harm. Uh, I've really tried to adopt the Hippocratic Oath from medicine to my social interactions. First, do no harm. Try to approach every interaction with 
with love and with compassion and with a big picture perspective of how even if the person in front of you is shitty, the things that made them shitty aren't about you, they're about much bigger things. And you can practice and work on dulling the impact of their hurtful behavior and not letting yourself be controlled by other people's hurt behavior. Recognizing that it is not personal about you, it is about their pain, and we're never going to get through it if we can't learn to recognize each other's pain. Do no harm. It's, it's really just about, and, and this is why, you know, I, there is a tendency when people say these things to say, you're telling me I'm a bad person if I don't respond with compassion. You're telling me I'm a bad person if I judge someone. Um, I'm not saying that because part of the idea of non-judgment is not judging people who don't practice non-judgment. Um, but I am saying I have been able to find a lot of peace. And again, I know it's much easier for me. There are not, uh, you know, guns that are physical and metaphorical pointed at me all the time, and so I understand that the fear uh, and the stress that other people live with is not the same as mine. Um, but I am telling you that all of us have the ability to shift some what? Some amount. Um, and I am encouraging you to do that because you know, I, I talked about uh, how perpetuating dominance is poison for the ecosystem. This is fertilizer. This is this is good warm sunlight this is cool fresh water for for the garden of human existence is you figuring out how to make yourself a little less angry figuring out how to take things a little less personally figuring out how to process the real pain and hurt that you have internalized that other people have put on you and how to move forward with peace how, uh, I'm just actually going to let that sit for a minute. That's all we can do, is figure out how to get a little better for ourselves at moving forward with peace. Anyway, Charlie and I are home. I have some delicious shawarma to eat. Uh, we'll be back in a bit with a meditation. See you soon. Please like and subscribe. 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 Hello, welcome back to the good world. Uh, I just had a very delicious shawarma lunch. Um, huh, shawarma is so, like real shawarma. A thing I didn't really know, uh, <laughs> had, had not had gotten to experience. Um, but yeah, real shawarma, so good. Uh, and this place in Grass Valley uh, is fantastic. It's run by Israelis who know their shawarma. Um, I'm also very excited to get down to uh, Sacramento where there's all kinds of Middle Eastern food uh, and it's all delicious. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, like food is, is such a good way to build bridges across cultures because every culture has their own really delicious food. Um, or at least some really delicious food. Some cultures have things that are, um, you know, a bit of a stretch for some of us. Um, and, and, and that's okay. Cause that's all just like habituation that's built into us. Uh, you know, another good example of the way that like all of these higher level systems affect, uh, our beliefs and our habits is like, if you, 
Um, man, there's, I should probably do an entire, I, I certainly could do an entire episode of, uh, on the city of Lyon in France, um, where Susie and I, uh, spent a month, um, when we were traveling around the world. It's a, it's a lovely city, um, but one of their, their food, um, all right, I'll try to do this quick. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, originally founded by the Romans because it's right, it's a, at a very good like strategic location if you are Rome because um, it's right uh, at the intersection of the Rhone River and the Saone River, um, which both kind of pass through. And I'll do, I guess from your perspective, they like meet up there and then go down and they go straight down to the Mediterranean. And so for a Roman colony, that was like a really great strategic standpoint because they could sail from Rome and go right up the river and get right to uh, the city. And so the a, the, a, a major part of the city is built on this sort of central peninsula that goes between where the two rivers meet up. Um, and it's, it's almost like an island, which is why the French name for it is Presqu'île, which means almost island. Um, and it's, it's on a hill. So like the, the, the southernmost part of it is basically at river level and then it goes pretty quickly up a hill and then there's a plateau up at the top of the hill. Um, and for a long time there were, uh, the, the silk trade, uh, was practiced at the top of the hill. All of the silk makers were up there and they were the working class of, of, uh, the time we're talking, uh, few, like two to three centuries ago. Um, so much later than the Romans, but you know, city continues going and continues to be a trade hub, uh, across thousands of years. Um, uh, and so also that alone is a good example actually of, of how like the existence of people in that place was shaped by choices that were made literally, uh, well over a thousand years ago, maybe 2000 years ago. I don't remember when the Roman conquest of Gaul was, but it doesn't, that's kind of immaterial for, for this conversation. Um, so. Uh, what ended up happening was the meat merchants would come into, uh, into Lyon and they would, um, they would start at the bottom of the hill and they would have a big cart with all their meat in it and they would work their way up the hill selling meat as they went. And so by the time they got up to the top of the hill where the working class was, um, all there was left was organ meat. Um, and what ended up happening is the people who lived at the top of the hill got really good at cooking with organ meat and, uh, you know, brains, hearts, kidneys, whatever. Um, and, uh, because capitalism, um, what ended up happening is that, uh, people who were not working class started to come to Lyon to try the food of the peasants. And so restaurants started opening at the bottom of the hill where they would serve the organ meat from the top of the hill. Um, and so that sort of became what Lyonnaise cuisine is. Um, and that is that I, I, uh, I do eat meat, but I, um, I have not yet been able to get over my inherent squeamishness about organ meat. I, um, I try it sometimes and I do enjoy it sometimes, but it's, there's a mental block there that's tough to get past because that stuff is like really built into our brains. And so for me, you know, it's, um, it's an old habit, but it's from like a sustainability standpoint, it's a good thing. It's also uh, more cost-effective because the meat is cheaper. That's the whole reason that it became a thing at, at the top of the hill in Lyon in the first place. Um, 
But that is an example of how, like, one person's delicious food can be a little uh, gross and off-putting for someone else, and it doesn't, you know, there is no objective truth, right? It's all, it's all a matter of taste. Anyway, uh, food is a great way to bridge different cultures. Middle Eastern food is amazing, um, and so I'm very excited to eat some Middle Eastern food uh, when we get down to Sacramento. We're moving there um, next month. Uh, that was a, that was a nice long tangent. It came back around, sort of. Um, another thing I want to say, I was just sort of thinking about this in my downtime in between, uh, while I was eating. Um, two, uh, if, if the gentleman who I saw and who I remarked on wearing the alpha as fuck shirt, um, does happen to see this ever, and, like, I don't know, you know, right now I have, I don't know, like single-digit subscribers, certainly. Uh, I, I think I have, like, nine subscribers. So, you probably won't. But if you do ever see this, um, I also want to apologize for, you know, it, it probably felt like a personal attack, because you probably know who you are, because Grass Valley's not that big. Um, and so, um... I am not trying to personally attack you, um, but I am trying to um, to sort of draw a lesson from the shirt that you were wearing. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think you're a bad person. I think you are my brother. Um, I don't know if you recognize me as your brother, and I don't know if the people around you would agree, um, but I would always, I, I would be happy to talk to you, um, you know, in person or on like, I, I would be happy to record a conversation with you if that's what you would like. Um, or we can just uh, ignore each other and you can pretend this doesn't exist. That's also fine, too. Um, but I, I don't uh, want you to feel that I'm just sort of attacking you without... Um, well, period. I don't want you to feel that I'm attacking you, and I'm, uh, I'm sorry because I'm sure it felt like I did. Um, but I, I genuinely uh, believe in, in trying to build bridges instead of tear them down. Um... It's another thought that I had that I was going to say. I don't really remember it. So I guess we'll just leave that there uh, for the moment. Um, yeah, you know, that happens sometimes. I mean, the, the whole, like, ADHD thing um, means I'm... Well, I don't know if it's ADHD that makes me good at... Am I, am I good at stream of consciousness? I don't know. I can, I can sustain stream of consciousness for a while. That doesn't necessarily mean it's entertaining. Um, uh, but I can, I can sustain it for a while, uh, and I don't know. I feel like the ADHD thing mostly does help with that, but sometimes it means that I have a thing I'm going to say, and it just goes right, right out the window. Anyway, uh, let's, let's practice some meditation, because that's a really... It's super uh, pretty out today. Um, oh, I remember the other thing I was going to say. Uh, it was, um, I saw someone on Twitter recently um, use the term soy boy. Um, and so I imagine there's a possibility that there are people who are watching this and sort of watching me talk about uh, the Proud Boys. And so maybe, maybe soy boy is the thing you want to call me because you think it is an effective insult. Um, what I will say is that I think generally speaking, uh, anytime we try to insult someone else for being who they are, whether that's, um, whether that's calling a soy them a soy boy, whether it's calling their food disgusting. Um, any, any time we're trying to dunk on someone and dominate someone and alpha someone and, um, and all of that, what we are actually saying to the people around us isn't, I'm tough, I'm strong, I'm smart, I'm better. Um, what we're actually saying is, I feel insecure, I feel afraid, I feel weak. Uh, and so I'm compensating um, for 
for those feelings by trying to dominate someone. I'm, I'm, I'm lashing out to reassure myself um, that I'm not weak, that I'm not uh, being threatened, and, and that no one can hurt me. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, that comes from a place generally of real experience, that comes from, you know, being bullied in, in some way or another, usually. Um, and so, uh, again, to, to I, and it's also, it's, it's not an easy thing to stop, right? And I, I still fall into it sometimes. I've gotten better, but I still fall into it sometimes. Um, and so you're not, um, you're not alone. You're not a bad person. Um, but you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in a world where you are um, constantly having to prove to other people that, uh, that, that you're better than them, that you're tougher than them, that you're stronger than them. Um, you, you can and you deserve to live in a world where you are just appreciated for who you are. And even if you don't have that community around you right now, I promise you there is a community out there that will love and appreciate you for who you are, whoever you are, and you deserve to be able to find them. Um, and I, you know, to whatever extent I am able to sort of build a community here on, on this channel, um, that that is the heart of it, is just appreciating and loving everyone for whoever they are and seeing that all of us um, are, are, you know, we're all, we're all just children of God, right? Like, we're all just out here being human uh, in our own unique way, um, and, and we deserve the chance to do that um, with love and support. And so, um, if you feel the need to dominate, if you feel the need to, to fight, um, I understand that that's because other people have made you feel that you need to do that. Um, and I am here to tell you that you don't, um, and I hope you can find your way to a place where that's true, and I hope that the rest of us can help provide you a place where that's true. Okay. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna end with the, the pontificating, um, and I am gonna record uh, a little silent meditation. What's, what, what are you doing, app? Come on, app. Um, also, it's 2.55, um, and something uh, that I should mention, because I think it's going to happen while I'm meditating, is that I have a thing on my phone set to... Um, I have a mindfulness bell. It goes off every half hour, um, starting at some point in the morning, continuing to, like, 5.30, because 6 p.m. is when Charlie gets his gong. Um, I don't actually know if it's made its way into any of these videos. I feel like it probably has at some point. Um, but so if you hear a random... I think it's this sound... Uh, no, it's this one. They're slightly different. Um, this one is the one I use for meditation. I know, they're, they're pretty similar. Anyway, um, if we start meditating, there's probably going to be this sound. No, not that. Wrong, wrong, oh my god. <laughs> Apps. Technology is the best. Um, uh, yeah, there, there'll be, a, I mean, at this point I have four minutes, maybe I, should I just talk for four minutes? Um, let's try just talking for four minutes so we don't, uh, three minutes, we're down to three minutes. Don't you want to watch a YouTube channel where someone, uh, literally counts down the minutes? Isn't that the most exciting thing that you can imagine? Um, uh, but that moment there where I got frustrated with this app... Um, another thing that I was also thinking about earlier when I picked up lunch, and so it's, it's actually useful to talk about it here, um, is, uh, I still get frustrated sometimes, because sometimes things are frustrating. Um, and a thing that happened to me earlier when I was picking up lunch is I was trying, I, I was carrying, uh, two bags and two drinks, so each hand had one bag of food and one drink, um, food, lunch for me and for Susie. Um, and I was trying to get 
the trunk of my car to open so that I could put the, well, I put the, um, the drinks in the cup holders up here. And then, um, we have a like hot food, like a pizza delivery bag, um, which is super useful if you live in a place where everything is takeout and you want to keep your food warm. Um, so I was trying to get into the trunk and the trunk wasn't opening and it was really hot downtown today. Um, and so I, I sort of had this moment where I was like, come on car, it's hot. Um, but I think that is actually a very good example of, you know, I, I, I mostly have managed to, um, to grow increasingly patient, uh, with things in the world, which is not always a thing that I was good at and it's taken practice and I've gotten better. Um, but also that's an example that sometimes I lose my patience. Um, but it's also a good example that we are most likely to lose our patience when we are feeling some sort of external discomfort, tension, pressure, whatever. Um, so that can be in the form of, of just, it's a hot day, um, and I'm outside and I want to get inside, or it can be in the form of, uh, you know, I'm struggling and I need help and some, there's an obstacle coming in. Um, and so a thing that I think is good for all of us to remember is that when someone loses their patience with you, and this really does tie back to, um, to the, to the, the don't take other people's anger personally, don't take things personally. Um, when someone else loses their patience with you, uh, it really, it is mostly a function of external circumstances that have nothing to do with you. Whether that's hot, whether they have felt a lot of oppression in their lives. Um, you know, I think a thing that is a, uh, is, is not a bad example of this. Um, uh, well, no, let's, let's not make this about, I, I was going to say something about a group of people that I am not a member of, but I think it's, it's probably better if I sort of talk about it, um, uh, in, in an example that, um, relates to me. Um, oh, here's a good example. Uh, being Jewish around Christmas in America, uh, means a lot of people, uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas, a holiday you don't celebrate. Um, and they do, they do celebrate. Well, sometimes they celebrate it. I mean, those of us who are not Christian. Oh, also the, I just got the notification that the bell went. So maybe you just heard it. Maybe you just heard the, the 3 PM bell. Um, those of us who are not Christian in America have generally learned to just start saying Merry Christmas to each other. So I've had a lot of interactions, um, with people who are, um, based on their, uh, attire are likely Christian or, uh, sorry, not Christian, are likely Jewish, uh, or Muslim or Sikh, certain, you know, depending obviously on the attire, um, or other things. Um, and they will wish me a Merry Christmas and I will wish, wish them a Merry Christmas right back. Um, cause you know, I'm white and we're in America. And so like, uh, I mean, if you, if you're Jewish and you know, if you know how to identify Jewiness, um, there are, no Jew is ever surprised to find out that I'm Jewish. Let's put it that way. But you know, it's still America and things are, can be plenty ambiguous. Um, it is, uh, it is common, um, for, for people who are Jewish. Um, and I have gotten to a point where this is less of an issue for me now, but it has been an issue in the past where we can get really frustrated when someone says Merry Christmas to us because we're not Christian. Um, and we have grown up in a country that sort of treats us as, uh, as, as not normal, right? Like Christian is normal, not Christian, not normal. 
Um, and you know, there's, there's no such thing as normal. Um, we're, we're all just people. Um, even average is not normal. Uh, quick statistics digression. Most things are not average. Um, average is across the entire population, but like less than 1% of the population is actually average at anything. Um, everyone else is somewhere in a big old range. Um, and so that includes, uh, that includes things like religion. Um, so if you are not Jewish, um, and you say Merry Christmas to someone and they get angry at you, um, this is a good example of how it is about their experience and their larger circumstance. And their anger isn't, you know, you don't need to take their anger personally because you can understand that, um, that they, we, uh, are angry about feeling like second-class citizens in the country where we've lived our entire lives. Um, but you also... You know, getting defensive about it and dismissing it also is not helpful. And so, you know, if, if someone gets angry at you, um, the, the response that I think is both most helpful and, quite frankly, most likely to diffuse the situation um, is to say, I'm really sorry, I didn't realize. Uh, and, you know, you could say Happy Hanukkah if it's Hanukkah. Um, or, or whatever else, um, but someone else's anger, like, recognize the fact that someone else's anger is coming from their own experience, um, and it's not about you personally, but, but it's an opportunity for you to be helpful, and for you to make them feel seen, um, and make them feel loved and welcomed and supported in the way that all of us deserve, and that you deserve, and that they deserve too. Um, and even though they didn't give that to you, you know, it's very common, um, something people say all the time on Twitter is, why should I have compassion for someone who doesn't show compassion to me? Well, because it's, it's the only way that, uh, A, that you can truly feel like you're not being a jerk, um, but also it's, it's, it's the only way that we're ever going to get rid of hate, um, is by greeting hate with compassion. Um, that's a, it's a big part of the stuff, um, that, uh, Martin Luther King wrote about. Um, and again, that's not, this is not to condemn people for not being compassionate. This is just to encourage you to try, uh, to move past rationalizing, reasons for your anger, um, and work through your anger, right? I'm not saying ignore your anger. I'm not saying set it aside because you can't and you're hurting your anger for real reasons. And I want to recognize that, um, while also trying to help you and encourage you to, to find a path towards peace for yourself. Cause that's the only way that we can help, um, build peace for everyone. Um, so if you say Merry Christmas to a Jewish person and they get angry, uh, just, you know, recognize it, recognize the fact um, that our culture often uh, makes Jewish people feel like second-class citizens. Um, you probably also have your own experiences, so you can probably relate to it, um, but also just recognize that if someone tells you that they feel hurt, um, that they're telling the truth. Um, and, and listen to them and... and uh, hey, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Really golden rule stuff. Um, really, really just basic. Uh, and hey, if you're Christian, that was, that was a big part of, uh, of, of what Jesus said. And um, Jesus had a lot of really good stuff to say. Um, and like a lot of good ideas, a lot of his good ideas have been used for uh, conquest and dominance and, um, and oppression. And, and that's its own not even just one episode, that's like its own series of episodes. Um, anyway, okay, now we're gonna stop with, uh, 
with the preaching and the sermonizing. Um, and now I'm going to meditate, um, and I invite you to join me. Um, I'm going to sit here, uh, this bell is going to sound. Uh, then, ten minutes later, it's going to sound again. In between, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to put my hands in my lap, and I'm just going to breathe. Um, boy, I need a haircut. <laughs> um, uh, it's just everywhere, you know? Um, I'm just going to breathe, and as I breathe in, I'm going to think to myself, I follow my breath all the way in, and as I breathe out, I'm going to think to myself, I follow my breath all the way out, um, and I'm just going to follow it, and my, my mind is going to wander, right? I'll probably start thinking about, you know, shawarma, or, uh, or the, the guy in the t-shirt, or... Hanukkah and Christmas, I'll think about whatever I think about, because brains, uh, we don't control our thoughts, um, but we can train them to change over time. Um, and that, that is a big part of what meditative practice is about for me. Um, and, uh, and, and not just me. It all, I mean, look, it also has roots in, in all kinds of other things. Um, uh, very much in, um, in South Asia, in India, and, um, and also with, uh, with, with my Jews, uh, the Jewish people, uh, they also have a history of meditation. Um, there's honestly also a significant extent to which, um, the, the five times daily Muslim prayer is also very meditative. I mean, it starts with, with approaching God with intention and meditation. The practice of meditation is all about intention and focus. Um, and so it's, it really is a practice that spans cultures. Um, and that's, that's sort of a wonderful thing about it. Um, but the reason for it is also that it's, it's a really good way to practice peace. Um, and whether that means, uh, you know, submitting to the will of God or, or, um, you know, backing off of the, the view that someone else's behavior, um, is about you and that you, and your fears of being weak or whatever, whatever it is about, um, it is a really useful way to sort of, uh, attain focus, attain peace and, and center yourself and, um, and get out of the habits of sort of reacting from a place of, uh, of, of stress and, you know, ancient fear and need for survival, uh, survival instincts. Um, it's, it's about, honestly, it is about evolving ourselves. Um, that's, that's what I use it for. That's what I think, uh, anyone can use it for. Um, and so, uh, if you, if you are in a position, um, to meditate for 10 minutes, please join me. Uh, if you don't want to, that's fine. If you just want to skip to the end of this video, that's fine. Um, if you want to skip to the next video, that's also fine. But sometimes I, I do put something in at the end where, like, Charlie does something ridiculous and I'll tack it on at the end. Uh, but you can do whatever you want. Um, and if you are in a position where you can't meditate, if you're working or if you're, like, listening to this while driving, whatever you're doing, um, that's also fine. But um, And if you want to skip this, you can also skip this, but I would encourage you uh, to, to take 10 minutes to enjoy the silence. Um, one of these days, probably I can stop doing this spiel before every time, but I don't know. I don't know what the right way to do that is. So, hey, if you're watching this and you're sick of hearing me introduce meditation, then uh, then put it in the comments. Okay, great. Uh, so we're gonna do it. We're gonna get a bell. Okay, I am hitting start, so we have 15 seconds until the bell. Uh, yeah, just breathe. Follow your breath in, follow it out. If your mind wanders, oh, my mind wandered when I was setting this up. Just come back to, to the words. Okay, I'll see you in 10.
That was a nice one. I needed that. I also, two things I struggled with today. One is that um, the sun is hot and it, while I have been in the car, uh, if you've been watching, you can probably even tell. Um, so it's, uh, it's like mid-afternoon here, I guess, but the sun has moved from behind a tree to shining um, directly through uh, our car has a sunroof and so the sun is right on my head. Um, so it's uh, it's been a little hot. This is better. Um, also, there's I have an itch on my ankle, and so the whole time I was meditating, um, you know, I, uh, I mean, part of it is like you you work on, on sort of not letting yourself get pulled into thinking about how it's hot or how your ankle itches or whatever. Excuse me, Whew, shawarma. <laughs> uh, you know, we all burp. Sorry, we all, uh, we all get gas, uh, and, and we Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi Jews, excuse me, Eastern European Jews, uh, we get a lot of gas. Um, our stomachs are, uh, are really adapted to, to eating, like, beets and potatoes, uh, and that's unfortunate because spicy food is so delicious, and, uh, my stomach and my mouth really disagree strongly on what food is good, um, but I, uh, what are you gonna do? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, when meditating, it's sort of easy to get, um, to get sucked into things, but I, uh, I've gotten better at, at not sort of letting things like it's hot outside or my ankle edges, you know, I, I notice them and then I just come right back to my breath because that's, um, that's how we maintain focus. Great. So that's going to be it for today. Da, 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 we're done. Um, happy Friday. It's Friday. Uh, well, I'm, I'm taping it Thursday, but for you, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, weekend's coming. Weekend's are coming. It's going to be great. Um, I will see you on Monday. Lundi in, in French. Uh, bon weekend. <laughs> weekend is the French for weekend. There's a different emphasis on a different syllable, but it's weekend. Uh, bon weekend. Uh, bon chance. Bon journée. Um, y nosotros vamos a hablar uh, la próxima semana. Hmm. Languages. Languages are great. That's going to be another episode someday. Bye. That's the second time I've saluted today. I haven't done that before. I don't think that's, I don't think that should be my thing. That doesn't feel like it's my thing. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>